In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Another way to translate John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, is that the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That's literally the word there, that the word tabernacled among us. In other words, he made a tent among us. Jesus made a tent by taking on human flesh. He made a dwelling place for himself here on earth when he was born. In that Old Testament reading from Exodus 40, we heard about the tabernacle. The Lord established the tabernacle in days of old so that the holy God could dwell with his unholy people. This was the fundamental problem with humanity after the fall into sin. That they no longer lived up to, they were no longer perfect in the image of God in which God had made them. And that separated them from God. Holiness was what brought man and God together. And when man became unholy, God could not be with his people. But he wanted, he longed to be with you. He longed to be with his people. And so he set up a tent. First, this tent, the tabernacle, to dwell with his people, to bring his presence once again, his holiness once again among the people. And let's look at maybe a few things, aspects of this tent, this tabernacle, which God made. First, you can see that Moses sets it up and he puts its bars into place. It's not unlike a tent you would take camping, maybe a little bit more ornate than that, you could say. But it was a tent. In other words, it was movable. The temple would come later on, and that would have its own significance throughout the history of the church. But at first, as the people of Israel were wandering through the wilderness, the Lord made this tabernacle, this tent, so that he could dwell among his people. And this tent or this tabernacle, it moved. Right? We heard as that the cloud and the fire, the presence of the Lord, we'll talk about that in a second, whenever it moved, that meant that the people could pick up the tabernacle and move with it and go on their way in the wilderness. And that is because God wanted to go with his people. He didn't want to leave them in one spot. He didn't want to leave them without his presence. He wanted to move together with them. And secondly, the ark the, the tabernacle of this tent, it had the Ark of the Covenant in it. Now, the Ark was this kind of altar, right, of sorts. And inside that Ark, it's called the Ark of the Covenant because it had what's called the testimony inside of it, or the tablets that contained the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses, And on those tablets were written, the Ten Commandments we know very well, God's will for his people for how they should live. God's will for his people and what their morals should be. But on those tablets, we also see the law, 
not only telling us what we should do, but also convicting us, showing God's people what they have not done perfectly, how they have become unholy. But above those tablets, on top of the Ark of the Covenant, was the mercy seat. This was kind of a gold lid of sorts. It had two cherubim on it. And this is where the sacrifice of atonement would be made every year. And on that sacrifice of atonement, when that lamb had shed its blood, the scapegoat, no, I'm sorry, the scapegoat was released. The lamb was shed on the mercy seat. The idea there was that God would look down from above, right? His presence was above the tabernacle. God would look down from above onto that Ark of the Covenant. And instead of seeing the law, seeing the testimony, the tablets inside of the Ark, they would be covered by the mercy seat and covered by the blood of the Lamb. And so God would not hold the sins against the people. And finally, there was a cloud, God's presence, and a fire above the ark, a cloud by day and a fire by night. And you heard that whenever that cloud or that fire moved, then the people moved the tabernacle with it. And the Lord guided the people through the wilderness wanderings. The presence of the Lord shone there. And finally, we also heard in Exodus 41, final detail about this tabernacle was that the last thing Moses did was put up a veil between the ark and everything else in the tabernacle. And this was the Holy of Holies, that the high priest once a year would go into that Holy of Holies, go into that place of the ark and the mercy seat and would offer that sacrifice of atonement. That sacrifice making payment for the sins of the people. And so why are we talking about this on Christmas? We're talking about this on Christmas because, like we said, this is exactly how John describes Jesus being born. Yesterday we heard Luke 2. And Luke 2 is wonderful in so many ways. Mary and Joseph arriving, no room in the inn, the shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night, and the baby in the manger. And that describes beautifully Jesus' humanity, his humility. But John dives a little theologically deeper in his gospel, at least in a different way than Luke does. And he says that that baby Jesus, he was the word. The word that was with God, the only begotten son of the father from eternity. And 2,025 years ago, today, he became our new tabernacle. We already heard the prophecies spoken that Jesus is our Emmanuel, our God with us. That's what we've been thinking about that this last advent is God coming to be with us. And now that Jesus has been born, he is our Emmanuel. He is our God with us. And let's think about this. 
he is like that tabernacle, that tent that goes with us everywhere. That is the nature of who he is. He is like a tent in his, let's call it this, his mobility with us. Jesus does not leave us alone wherever we go. Like a tent that can be picked up and taken somewhere else as we wander through the wilderness of this earth, fighting against sin, death, and the devil, Jesus goes with us. He sends us his spirit. He does not leave you alone. And he is like that ark inside the tabernacle. He is like the tablets themselves in one way in that he is the perfect fulfillment, the perfect image of God. He fulfills the law in every way. He does what we could never do. And he is also like the mercy seat that covers our failures and our sins. He is the king who deserves all the gold in the world. The angels bow down before him. And not only is he the tablets and the ark and the tent, but he is also the sacrificial lamb who is slain on that mercy seat. His blood is the blood that covers our sin. John the Baptist, the one who was to proclaim the light of Christ, as we heard in John's gospel, he shouted out about Jesus. There he is. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he is also the cloud and the fire. He is like the cloud that comes to Jesus himself at his baptism. He is like the cloud on which he himself ascends back into heaven, on which he himself will come again at the end of the age. He is that cloud because the cloud is always about the presence of the Lord. And whenever you go outside and you look up and you see the clouds, there's lots of clouds this Christmas, you can think of Jesus. Because like the cloud that followed the Israelites in the wilderness, Jesus is still with us. As we already said, he sends us his spirit. He does not leave us to be orphans here, but instead sends his spirit to be with us always. And he is also finally like that high priest that goes into the Holy of Holies behind the veil for us. And he intercedes for us. He intercedes for the masses and offers the sacrifice. And so you can think of it this way. He is the altar. He is the sacrifice. He is the priest. He is the tent. He's all of it. And so when John says... The word became flesh and the word tabernacled among us. He is not kidding. He tabernacled among us in so many wonderful ways. And John sees all of that. John sees all of that whenever he sees that baby lying in the manger. But for John, it gets even better than that, too. The tabernacle was the old covenant. We don't have a tabernacle anymore. We don't carry our church around like a tent and set it up wherever we go. Jesus brings a new covenant. 
Hear again what John said, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In the old tabernacle, an unholy people could dwell with the holy God, and that was great. That was wonderful. And we still need that. We still need our holy God to dwell with the unholy us. But Jesus is an even better tabernacle. For he doesn't stop there. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will, or of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. When you were baptized, you were reborn by water and the Spirit. And you became God's child. You became God's son. You became God's daughter. You became the children of God. And that is a step further. That is so much more than just being able to be together with God. Not only does he allow you to be in his presence, but he also calls you child. He calls you friend. And when Jesus is crucified, God rips the veil in two. He opens up the holy of holies that even you, not just a high priest once a year, but you every day may come in. John says this is grace upon grace. Mercy upon mercy. And so when Jesus was born, when he tabernacled, among you, 2,025 years ago. This is what he brought. And 2,025 years ago, he still brings it to you every day. For his incarnation happened on that day so long ago. But the incarnation is still true. Jesus still is in his human flesh. And he took on that flesh that you who have human flesh might be reborn of God. You might be made children of God. And you are God's children now. So this Christmas, let it be a remembrance to us to live as he has made us. To be as his children. To draw near to him as children draw near to their father. And let us rejoice and the best Christmas gift that we could ever receive, the tabernacling of Jesus Christ. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen.